0: This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network.
1: Willman is the exception. Doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, and a saint. The rest of them, yeah. Pardon my French, fuck those fuckers.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Girls on the Boys, a podcast dedicated to analyzing the Amazon series, The Boys, and the spicy world of soups and stereotypes. I'm Jen Adams. And I'm Rachel Reeves. And today we are talking about the penultimate episode of season one. I love the word penultimate, so anytime I can... I can dump it in somewhere. Um, Yes, (laughs) this is my superpower. Um, We are talking about season one, episode seven, the self-preservation society.
1: Yes. And like, I know I say this every time, but... (laughs) this episode was so good.
0: <laughs> mm, I know. It's so good. And we're, oh, and we're just getting started. Like there's so much shit to go down to. I'm so excited. Um, But before we do that, let's catch up with our soups outside of the show and kind of see if there's any news because we still don't have a date for season four, do we? Yep.
1: Nope. No date yet. Wrapped, which is, you know, there's a writer's strike
0: going on. Right. So exactly. That's true. Least- hey, and you know what? Writer do what you need to do we don't yes, want to yes
1: full support wga like do what you got to do but also yep. like phew, season four of the boys is safe
0: <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> yes we, we, and pay we those that, writers <laughs>
1: yep we know that uh that is going to still be coming there's no stranger things situation happening there mm. so at least we have that to look forward to
0: those um, kids are going to be so tall by the time we get season
1: <laughs> It's the last turn their, of things. Facial uh, hair. They're going to be tall and just, their they're going to be like in college <laughs> and if they're not already. I I
0: just, uh, hey, I'll still watch it though. You know, pretend oh, they're of course. 10.
1: Yep. Um, um, but in the world of the boys, uh, April, yeah. let's see. So April 28th, 2023, the world celebrated hashtag National Superhero Day. There's a day Aww. for everything, but there I can get behind is. this one. And so, you know, for this very special occasion, the boys, the show, um, AKA Amazon Prime, did a marathon screening of all of season three in Culver City, California. And I just think that's rad. Like, I, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like how many current TV shows are out there doing this kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure, like, I'm sure there's a few, you know, I'm sure there is, but come on, you know, I think that that is very seriously cool and really helps. Cultivate this this fandom and community that they have really developed over these last three seasons, and lots of the cast and crew were there for Q and As and to really kind of hype the upcoming season. And I just think it's really really neat to see yeah. that everyone loves making this show as much as we love watching it. Mm-hmm. And as we know, that's not always the case yes. on a lot of projects. So yeah, I just think that's it's... really sweet.
0: It's really like a a, like I feel good about being a fan of the show, you know, like it feels like like I am part of a a good, supportive, fun community that doesn't take itself too seriously. Also, I would love to watch these on a big screen, too. You know, right? Yeah. Season three is so cool. They put so
1: much thought and effort into every little detail, like nothing about this show looks or feels cheap or like they're Mm. cutting corners really in any way. So, yeah, seeing it on that screen and you know, we talk time and time again about the writing of this show and how clever and smart it is. So Mm -hmm. I just, I really hope that if they weren't necessarily getting paid what they deserved or getting the deals they needed before that hopefully after this strike, you know, resolves itself that they are getting paid even more because they absolutely deserve it
0: <laughs> yes yeah this is really a show that I feel like lives and dies by its writing you know because 100% without its clever scripts without its like butcher doing a weird like that matrix pep talk that you posted the other day that like it's just another superhero show you know this that's really what separates it from the pack and makes it something really special you know
1: Oh, yeah. And like talking about that specifically, like when Carl Urban, like he suggested that whole like Matrix line in Mm -hmm. um, in that episode and kind of working that in. And, you know, Kripke said yes, but then it's the writer's responsibility to sort of remember that and work it in and make it work with everything else. And then we see Matrix references pop up all over this show. And like, I don't know if it, you know, came from that little nugget that Carl Urban just decided to inject into Butcher's character or not. but regardless, it's peppered throughout the rest of the show so far that we've seen. And that's the writers doing that. So mm-hmm. it's important to have those people actively involved, you know, on set to react to these sort of things. And yeah, full support. If I was yeah. there, I guess I yeah. could really be picketing because I'm not a writer necessarily but be with them in
0: spirit we'll support yes we definitely won't be scabbing and yeah i mean i think also that like i don't know i always think about the first two weezer albums and then everything after that like there is a magic (laughs) this is dating me and i'm becoming an snl sketch pinkerton is perfect pinkerton and the blue album yes also perfect Mm -hmm. oh but like there's like a magic there there's like a fun little details that feels like everybody was happy when they're making it and like your writers if they are pissed off or if they're not making enough money. They're constantly struggling. They're not going to throw those fun little things in, like little—I wouldn't even call it an Easter egg, but it's just like the little sprinklings of awesomeness, you know. So that just—and my therapist said sometimes, like you can't create when you're in a fight or flight reaction. So like, you want your writers to not only be supported but like happy, you know. And you can yeah. just feel the happiness coming through on this show, even when it is really dark episodes, you know.
1: Oh, yeah. Related to that, I have a fun fact um, about this particular time period. So Karen Fukuhara um, has said that Carl Urban and Tomer Capone love to play backgammon on set. Aww. And because of that, she and Laz Alonzo have learned to play the game so that they can play too. So there's all these pictures. And so if you ever see them playing backgammon and you're like, why are they playing this game? That's how they kill time on set. And so, yeah, even when they're downtime, when they're just like waiting for their scene or whatever, they're, yeah, they're
0: backgammon buddies, I guess. That's so sweet. Yeah. And if you follow a lot of like the individual performers, like they post pictures of each other all the time, you know, like it seems like they are genuinely friends. They genuinely like to hang out. I have this inkling of a rumor, maybe that Tony Starr and um, Aaron Moriarty might be dating. I don't know if that's true, but I would die. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, and that's like you can just feel it. Uh, You know, and you know, you watch these shows where like these people don't like each other and they're they're just here because they have to do this interview. But like anytime you watch stuff with them, it's like you can just feel feel the love. Um, I also saw on their Instagram, they posted something from VotCon, which was in the UK. (laughs) There was some really awesome uh, cosplay there. One particular deep costume, which was hilarious. (laughs) And I want to say it because it's a spoiler, but it was awesome
1: yeah i want to go to Votcon. i want to go to these things i I, know (laughs) yep i guess i've been to like horror conventions but never Mm -hmm. like a comic-con sort of thing and this might this might get me to do it i don't know maybe
0: (laughs) yeah if they i mean you know i'll go maybe that's we'll do a little field trip you know yeah um yeah all right well so that was our huey cutie in the news updates And so now let's move into the name of the game, which is this episode. Today's episode is called The Self-Preservation Society. And our description is, never trust a washed up soup. I feel like I should say that in a butcher voice. (laughs) The boys learn this lesson the hard way. Meanwhile, Homelander digs into his past. Starlight discovers that love hurts. And if you're ever in Sandusky, Ohio, and a girl asks if she can touch your gills, say No. (laughs) oh boy yeah
1: can't wait to talk about that
0: oh (laughs) yeah lots to talk about
1: (laughs) before we do this episode is directed by daniel atias adias yeah uh, Mm. yeah. danny boy (laughs) yeah and um he has done a lot of television not surprisingly so i'm just going to cherry pick some ones that I think people or us will care about, Uh, (laughs) like The Wire, The Sopranos, Six Feet Under. I don't know. Maybe you've heard of them. (laughs) He he did 20 episodes of Beverly Hills 90210 back in the day. Interesting. Um, As well as some Northern Exposure, True Blood. Uh, (gasps) (laughs) Scar, Scar. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. the adventures of briscoe county junior starring bruce campbell and some episodes of my mom's old school favorite show dr quinn
0: medicine woman <laughs> my mom used to watch that too <laughs>
1: yeah i don't i think she was obsessed with like dr quinn's boyfriend in that show I, I... Nah. <laughs> um anyways <laughs> also <laughs> he directed one movie and to just prove that like cause a wheel that's just mm. is so Perfect for us. He directed Silver <laughs> Bullet from 1985 <gasps> no based way. on the novella Cycle the Werewolf by one Mr. Stephen King. Oh, it's King's Dominion. Yep. And also one episode of Castle Rock.
0: Oh, nice. Do we know which episode? Yeah, it's which on there season? somewhere. Don't, don't worry about looking it up because that shows... I don't
1: think it mess. was the the queen sissy yeah mm. i was like it's not the sissy basic one
0: but that's the only one that i really, mm-hmm. <laughs> really care about um although that show i don't know here hey check out the losers club for lots of thoughts on the uh, hulu series castle rock yep. and also silver bullet that's a good movie i really like it it is yeah that's one of the ones that i liked before i really was obsessed with stephen king too you know um yeah that's a that's an awesome uh, rap sheet or a uh, uh, What's the word? I'm like? resume. That's an awesome resume.
1: Yeah, weird though. Just one movie, Silver Bullet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like Yeah, it's like know. he he had enough, you know. And it's a good movie. It's not like it like it was a bomb or anything. No.
1: Yeah. No. Really strange, but has clearly done well for himself and has worked on some of the most <laughs> iconic best shows out there. Yeah. So, you know, kudos to him and now he can add the boys to that resume. So just That's can, true. still still add it. Still You know doing his thing and doing it well so kudos to him maybe he just likes tv better he's like
0: i I just like this format better i mean
1: come on you go in you do you know you work for how long on an episode like i would imagine it would be like a few weeks right with like prep Mm -hmm. and getting everything and then actually shooting it and then you're done and then you move on to the next versus like a film that takes like a year of your life away Mm -hmm. so you know maybe he just gets bored easily so he's like oh, yeah do an episode here an episode there and move on cash them checks what right
0: exactly know? and look at like the wide variety of stuff he gets to work on you know yeah i do wonder if he was in charge of having donna or not donna kelly choose herself instead of dylan and brandon <laughs> yeah, i still remember that i was like why wouldn't you choose brandon anyways not to not to go down <laughs> that rabbit hole um. All right. Well, let's move to uh, our next category, which is Sup with the soups, which is where we're going to recap what's been happening with our fearless soups and the boys. And Rachel, you wrote this one. Do you want to read this recap? This sure.
1: Yeah. So in our last episode, soups were in the middle of shooting their latest rounds of marketing propaganda. <laughs> and by that, I mean campaigns, marketing campaigns that let the public get to know the real people behind <laughs> the capes. The real uh, people. <laughs> yeah. I was like, can you catch my sarcasm? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, Starlight refuses to participate in this or bow to Madeline's demands. And that kind of, you know, inadvertently leads to Ashley and Bot mutually parting ways, also in quotation marks. Um, Homelander is forced to confront his dark and depressing past. By a random blanket showing up while you know Maeve continues to struggle dealing with hers. And then when it comes to our boys, Frenchie's still burned. Butcher remains bitter. And Huey also remains conflicted about who he really is and kind of how he wants to move forward in a lot of different ways with Annie, with you know, himself, with Butcher, just what kind of person he wants to be, I think. Um, we, you know, Kamiko formally introduces herself and, um, also introduces the existence of Vought's super evil, super villain plan at the same time. Mm. And then, oh yeah, we have former child star Mesmer stop by for a spell, helps them a little bit, but in the end really messes things up badly for the boys in his attempt to be one of the good guys and ends up turning him all over to Homelander. So that's kind of where we left off. And losing his
0: phone, which I feel like is karma, you know? That's true. Yeah. Good job, Mesmer. I know, exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, speaking of the phone-stealing superhero, um, let's move into our next category, which is bad boys, where we talk about the villains. Um, Homelander, man continues to be hot and awesome and awful
1: <laughs> yeah i'm like waiting it's like wait is he ever gonna show up on you know the, the, the spice girls list the good girls list i don't know mm. but it's all right you know sometimes <laughs> you just gotta choose your choose your uh, stance and it seems like homelander has done that That he has yeah. no qualms about being the bad dude
0: yeah. Although this I like I felt some sympathy for him in this episode, you know, because continuing what we learned about him in the last episode, where he essentially was raised in a lab like we get to learn a little bit more about that. We also learned that his name is John, which I was
1: shook by this information. I was like, Sean, Sean. <laughs> His name is John.
0: I mean, what a Homelander name, you know,
1: what other name could it be? Yeah, Yeah. that's the thing. It's like, I don't know, like, what name I was expecting. like It's, you know, a very classic Mm -hmm. name, but also just feels weird. And it's just like one of those things where you think about like, Annie, we know Annie's name is Annie. But then, yeah, Mm. realizing like, oh, I don't know any of these other people's like real names.
0: Right. Yeah. Because it feels like he has like a human humanity, you know, like there is a person inside him or at least there used to be, you know, Um, I had completely forgotten that. Like I did. I don't know if I even clocked it the first time because I just wasn't really focusing on it for an outline. But like. That just shows like how rarely he's actually called that. He's just Homelander, you know?
1: Yeah. And Um, we do see, I I will say, we do see him show like some signs of emotion, like for a second, like he's kind of quick to pull it back and he catches mm -hmm. himself. But we do see him kind of confront some elements and people in his past about like how he was raised and the fact that he didn't have a normal, you know, despite what Vaught is putting out there, he didn't have real parents. He was raised in a lab. He didn't have those human connections. And because of that, like, still has difficulty making human connections, understandably. Mm. And we can see that that bothers him to some extent. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So it's kind of, it is kind of sad. Not enough to make me like, be like, oh, you know, I can change him sort of thing. Right. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. I think
1: he's beyond help, but it does give me a little like, oh, that sucks.
0: Yeah. It's like there did used to be a, a person in there. And like that little boy in the cell with the blue blanket, like he could have grown up to be anything. And yeah. I think one of the the things we see Dr. Vogelbaum, who is it's really the first time we've met him, um, just how cold he is. And if that is his father figure, then a lot of what he has become makes sense, you know, and that, I think that's something we're going to talk about a little later. Because um, it's kind of an overarching thing, theme of the episode, but it's just we see like he tears up just a, just a second when he's talking about this and he's treat- he's talking about him like like he's one of his dogs that he's breeding like he's he's yeah. just so cold and it just shows you like what that kind of emotional detachment does to a kid and mm. a kid with that much power it's just it's horrifying you know yeah and yeah we learn a
1: lot about him in this we also mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we see him because we've seen him, you know, clock butcher before and like, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't know like maybe like where he knows him from. It's like out of context, you know, when you see somebody in a crowd and you're like, where do I know this person from? Right. Yeah. It's like they work at the grocery store or something that you go to all the time and you're like, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. that's right. And then finally he puts together that he knows butcher through Becca, who used to apparently work at Vought about eight years ago as what was she let's see senior director of digital marketing Mm -hmm. so then he suddenly realizes like oh that's who that dude is and Mm -hmm. then we uh, learn a lot more about what went down with Becca
0: Yes, we do. And I love the because that is the entrance or the intro to the show is him like looking at all of the pictures on the surveillance camera that Mesmer sent. And I love the way this plays out because you could it's like instead of a light bulb coming on, it's the boys and it's the title of the show. So it's a title card. But just mm-hmm. the multiple levels of all of that. It's like that's when he realizes and that's when they become an enemy entity to him. It's just like chef's kiss, you know. Um, But yeah, the rest of uh, Homelander in this episode is not so great. Um, So yes, we find out what has happened with Becca, um, which is that she was and I think it's interesting because we have talked about how Homelander does not give a shit if it's your birthday, you know, and Mm -hmm. how he doesn't care about he doesn't see them as people unless he thinks you're hot. Mm, because yeah. <laughs> he does care about Becca and he says like my dad always said surround yourself with people smarter than you which is a really interesting sentence from somebody like Homelander who thinks he's above everybody it just right. it's kind of a drop in his manipula- manipulative bucket you know yeah
1: homelander uses his position of power to persuade yes. becca um to go back to his room and mm-hmm. we you know rapes her we're pretty sure right like that's that's what we're to believe at this point and we have no reason to not believe that that happened yeah didn't end there like yes she disappeared but we learned that she didn't actually mm, disappear completely there were people who knew Mm -hmm. where she was including madeline
0: god Uh um yep but that she was pregnant Mm -hmm. oh my god and the glowing in her stomach is just Horrifying. Like, is this maybe one of the most horrifying birth scenes aside from like inside, Alien? you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just horrifying. So, OK, she didn't walk off and die by suicide, as Butcher has mm-hmm. been suspecting that she did. She went to Vought for help and they helped her um by just covering the whole thing up. She died from blood loss the baby died 10 seconds after birth Mm. and it just it's awful and i think that's another one of the moments where you can see this emotion on homelanders face he's like oh i could have been a father you know and that it's like a level of humanity that i think he is not really comfortable with feeling you know well and Um, i think that it's interesting because he was told that like soups can't reproduce
1: right right. Like like this wouldn't work and then he finds out like Oh, wait, it did, like, to a certain Mm -hmm. extent. And so it's kind of, yeah. I mean, it's like, I I feel like in that moment, we see him realizing that, like, he is capable of of literal more than he Mm -hmm. thought he was. And just kind of what that means in, in in a few different ways. Like, for a second, he was a father and like he could do this thing that like nobody else thought he could. So what else could he potentially do? Like, what else right. is he actually capable of? Like, he's not as limited to the things that maybe he thought. And that's just a really kind of interesting way. I, I don't know that we see him kind of processing like, oh, I'm defying these expectations. And like, they didn't think I could do that. But like, what if I could? And so like, right. what does this mean? I don't know. So like, let alone like the father aspect, but more just like what it means for him and his powers and like what he could do.
0: Yeah. Well, and like as a legacy too, because like, I think with him knowing or believing for his whole life that he can't reproduce, it's like, this is it. This is all I got when I'm done. It's over. And this is so I don't have to worry about anybody else. Like I really don't have to, I mean, I'm saying this is him, not that this is what he should be thinking, but like, like, That he doesn't have to really emotionally connect with anybody because there's nothing beyond that, you know. And so to see him realize that maybe he could have children, he could be a father, he could, like, care about somebody that will live past him, I think Mm -hmm. is just, it's really interesting. It adds another level. Without... Without them making him a, a, like, he's not on the Spice Girls list, you know? And yeah. that's one thing I think is great about the show is we are allowed to, like, feel all of these things for him, but he's still disgusting in this episode. Yeah. And, you know, we're we're recording this on the day of the verdict of the E. Jean Carroll trial, which... Yes. Hooray! Yeah. And so, and we talked a little bit about, like, what, what did he actually do? And we don't know, and I don't think we need to know, like... And I think the words rape can mean a lot more than one thing, you mm-hmm. know, and I think it's clear that he it was at least coercive because he's in a position of power over her. And also he could kill her with laser eyes. So like, yeah. you know, ha- who who could he actually have sex with that is not coercive in some way, you know, oh, which probably. is another like thing that I would if I were Homelander, I would struggle with, you know, that's a. It's a fucked up position to be be in. But yes, I think um Becca is clearly upset by this. And I think even if we didn't know about the pregnancy, her response to the whole thing would make sense to me, you know. Oh totally. As tragic as it is, you know.
1: Well, and then we see, okay, because now that you know Homelander knows about Butcher and knows why Butcher has it in for him so much.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He, so he uh calls a meeting of all the yes. seven in mm-hmm. one room
0: and um oh, i'm sorry five the the five oh, yes now. well yeah the the, five <laughs> the remaining, remaining seven <laughs> Yeah,
1: the deep is off in sandusky Ooh. ohio and yes. translucent is you know
0: on his mission although uh, so we he... did see gets <laughs> translucent claws <clause laughs> yes yeah. which yeah, i in love the flashback yeah <laughs> um yeah. sorry so okay.
1: yeah so we, he brings them all into a room to let them know in on the mm-hmm. secret But of course, you know, Homelander doesn't do anything without a lot of thought and manipulation going into it. So instead of letting them know anything about Butcher and why Butcher might have it in for him, he decides to focus on Huey Mm -hmm. to really just stick it to starlight and make it feel like it's her fault that these guys are coming after her. And because it was, you know, and Huey's using her, which, you know, he is, but that's not necessarily like maybe the angle that's the i don't know the best way to look at things makes yeah. it seem like this is all partially you know not all starlight's fault but partially starlight's fault and that huey is kind of the the reason why all these guys are coming after the the mm-hmm. soups
0: yeah, and I just got to give a little shout out to Anthony Starr, too, for this delivery. Sticks and stones won't break my bones, but words. I just love that, and it makes me love to hate him yeah. even more. But yeah, so he is, and I mean, I think he's trying to kind of smoke uh, Starlight out, too, to yeah. see if if she really is. Because, I mean, we've seen from her perspective that she doesn't know anything about this. But I could also see he might think she's been working With them. And I think it's pretty clear from her reaction that she's not, I just don't think she's the best liar. Like she's just so earnest. It's hard to really, I think it's hard for her to really go along with it for too long, you know? But he says like a lot of this started when you showed up, and he's right, you know, because she is like a change agent, you know? She's like the unstoppable force, and he is the immovable object that Mm, is mm -hmm. thought, you know? Yeah.
1: And it's just—I mean, we can—we'll talk more about Starlight, you know, in a bit. But you know, she stands up to him a little bit, and mm-hmm. he, like, basically pulls a weapon out on her, and like, you know, lights up his laser eyes a little bit, which yeah you know, is probably not cool to do in a work setting. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and did you see A-Train like lean away from him from yeah. her when he did that? It reminded me of the Office episode when Michael Scott falls in the koi pond and Jim like <laughs> leans <laughs> away. I mean, a much more deadly version of it. But um, but yeah, let okay, well, let's move on to A-Train unless Kay. there's anything we want to talk about else. We're, we'll probably mention Homelander a yeah, little yeah. bit later. Um, but yeah, so A-Train... Is another one he because he's involved in all of this and like he mm-hmm. is and you see his reaction to um when he finds out that they killed Popclaw or that they were involved in the whole Pop Claw thing. And I think it it really hurts him to see that. But he also is about to throw Annie under the bus and he's like, How could you betray us? you know? Oh yeah. So he's he, he <laughs> so com- back on my bad list again. <laughs> yeah, he's back on my bad list because he takes
1: no accountability no responsibility mm-hmm. and like yes i think he's a little surprised to hear like they were involved with you know pop Claw in, in any capacity um but then is really quick to blame his own you know wrongdoings on huey even though he knows yeah. that they're not you know because he could have been like no she just overdosed mm-hmm. you know he could have like held up that narrative but instead he decides to also blame that on huey when actually he you know had nothing to do with it like yes they were involved with her but he knows that they didn't kill her like he knows that clearly because he he did did it it. yeah (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so he takes this opportunity to blame it on them and it's just you know it's like i mean he's kicking starlight when she's down (laughs) right (laughs) because like Mm -hmm. yeah he doesn't really know huey Not that that makes it any better, but like he does know Starlight and like clearly he means something to Starlight. So just the fact that he is so quick to just hurt her even more is awful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think he sees himself as the bullet of the gun that the boys fired at Popclaw, you know, that he he's not taking accountability for any of this. And I think. I feel a little bit of sympathy for him because it just is such addict behavior, you know? Like, I think most of who he is now stems, and what he does stems from this addiction to Compound V, Mm
1: -hmm. and that
0: addiction has come from this fear that he is not going to be good enough, he's going to get kicked out, he's going to be the fastest man in Akron, Ohio, or whatever he says, you know? And I think, and that's something we've talked about in, other episodes, but we see him talking to his brother Nathan about this and just how that weighs on him and his response to that. Cause Vought's not going to support him. They're not going to be like, yeah. hey, no, when you lose your stuff, we'll let you be in like this mentor role or we'll let you go do other stuff. Like they don't give a shit about him. They just want him for his speed. And when his speed's gone, they're going to find somebody else. And I think he is just in the process of getting chewed up by Vought and they just haven't spit him out yet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, ultimately, I feel like with A-Train, like, it's
1: going to be his fear that's going to destroy him. Like, his fear of, yeah, what losing his celebrity status, not being the fastest man alive, his fear of somebody finding out about V or Popclaw, just everything he does is, like, motivated by fear. Even, you know, even his addiction to some extent, I think, Mm -hmm. is motivated by fear. And... It's just, you know, eventually <laughs> that's going to catch up with him.
0: Even the fastest man alive can't outrun that. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you also see like, that's one of the downsides of having so much power is when you are living your life based on fear and you have the potential to cause so much harm to other people. You know, that's just a really terrifying thing. It's like what we were talking about with yeah. Homelander. Um, but just like, you see how he freezes when Huey just holds up the syringe, you know, and that's, I yeah. think, when you can really see what this drug has on him, you know, and I, he genuinely loves Pop Claw and you hear the pain in his voice when he's talking about it, mm-hmm. and he really thinks, like, everything he has done has been an accident, or he hasn't, I, I just don't think he sees himself as a bad guy, you know. No, he I think he's he, a good person. He,
1: yeah, like, he had no choice, like, he right. had to do that, and... Mm-hmm. You know, like, he just, yeah, there was no other option for him. And I think he even sees that with his, like, abuse of V. He's like, I have no other option. Like, my right. body can't physically do this. So I have to use this, you know, this steroid comp, like, to perform. Like, I have to do this because I can't do it on my own. And just, yeah. like, it, he feels like he has no other choice. Even though he does, he's just not necessarily brave enough to accept those choices because they're not the choices that he necessarily wants to make and it's just uh, sad and then we see him you know we even see him threaten Huey's dad Simon Pegg who's just like super (laughs) sweet so like low blow dude like you're gonna go to his house and threaten his family like ooh, you're gonna you're Mm. literally gonna bring this thing home and just throw everything out on the table in front of his dad who knows nothing right
0: yeah was he gonna kill his dad you know and i think that just shows like how far he's willing to go because he's done some really bad shit you know and the first person we've seen attack one of the boys was him when he attacked uh kamiko and he just is he's just an agent of a lot of Bad things for Vought. And I think like Homelander knows, we talked about him like in his legacy. I feel like Homelander feels so secure in his space. Mm-hmm. He knows he's not going to lose his stuff, you know. But like if A Train gets, like I feel like now it's like I've got to stay here because one, I have to stay at top. But two, if I'm out of the seven, and I have nothing and I have to yeah. think about everything I've done and everything I've lost. And I really have to like admit to myself that I was a bad person. Like I can't do that. I have to keep doing these events and keep distracting myself with this hero facade, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of pathetic. I'm not a fan of Atron right now. I'm hoping he can,
1: <laughs> like I'm hoping he can redeem himself. But right now to me, he's just like kind of a loser. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, and I will say and uh, I say this a lot about the next person that we're going to talk about that he's (laughs) one of my favorite characters because he's just but like a train is one of the most complex characters in the show. And like, there's still a long path forward for a train and i'm and i love like checking in every week to see how you're feeling about him because he's just like he is a roller coaster i was gonna say it's very up and down with a train like I, it really is he's taking me on a ride for sure oh and the ride is not gonna stop like the hills (laughs) are gonna start getting steeper so so just buckle up okay well, and I teased my other one of my other favorite characters. Um with Speaking is the of Losers. Deep. Speaking <laughs> of losers, yes, but oh my god, what a hot loser. Um, the deep, who is now getting seventy five dollars a day in Sandusky and just man how the mighty fall, you know. <laughs> yeah. like, like just again, like the line delivery where they're talking about Dairy Queen and he's like like blizzards and stuff
1: yeah he's <laughs> so funny because like they're like oh yeah you get you know 75 five dollar per diem for food and he's like oh you know wait like you don't make the food like after the grocery store mm-hmm. like acting like he's so much better but yeah then the second they say like dairy queen he's like wait blizzards <laughs>
0: it's just perfect. And I mentioned last episode, I've been watching a lot of Gossip Girl. So I've I've seen like the serious actor Nate version, you know, mm-hmm. and just to see the humor coming out of uh, of Chase Crawford is just incredible. I just love him so much. Um uh, we also see he's starting his work on a on a book mm. called Deeper, a memoir. Oh wow. <laughs> and I love I'm all out of love just this montage. <laughs> He's
1: so funny to me because he just, like, uh, so desperately wants to be this, you know, this person. I don't Mm -hmm. even know what kind of person, but just, I guess, a person in, like, control of their life, which, you know, don't we all? But Mm -hmm. he also just can't help himself and somehow, yeah, like, what is his memoir going to be about? He doesn't know. He just... (laughs) I don't know. He's very funny and also similarly pathetic in a
0: lot of ways. Yeah. He's like the funny version, the lower stakes version of A-Train, you know, because we see all of this coming out and like in a humorous way where we can laugh at him and, and feel kind of bad for him. And he's so earnestly sad that it makes you forget that he assaulted Starlight. Like, yeah. he did some really bad shit. Um, before we talk about that, I also want to throw out this moment with the lobster, because it's just hilarious. Like, him talking to fish and crustaceans will never not be hilarious to mm-hmm. me. Um, And then just the look on his face when the lobster <laughs> gets just
1: It's just no matter, him. like, he can't help but mess up. That's the mm-hmm. thing. It's like, even in that moment, he's like, well, I'm going to take this lobster. Like, I can help this lobster.
0: And then he can't, he just, he can't do anything right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. It just, he cannot help but make things worse, you know, mm-hmm. in the most hilarious ways. So, yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm all out of love. It's a great little moment. But on a a deeper note, <laughs> um, <laughs> he, you know, he he gets assaulted in this episode. And I think... You know, it makes me think a lot of people have asked me, like, does it make you feel better that uh, a sexual predator is getting assaulted in jail? You know, like that's a question I think we hear. And, you know, my answer is always no. Like, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. You know, it's not like that's not what we want that we don't want vengeance we don't want revenge we don't like i do think that it is meaningful for people who see themselves as able to just take whatever they want grab women by whatever yeah to actually know how that feels because i feel like for the kind of people that would do that that's the only way they will ever really get it yeah so i do think that I don't know, but it's just hard to watch. It's hard to watch him get assaulted by this girl, you know? But it's yeah. exactly what he did, you know?
1: And and I hate I wanna make sure this comes out the right way, but like it puts his assault on Starlight, which clearly no matter you I mean it doesn't matter how you look at it, it's assault and it's awful. But yes. it puts it in a pers- in a perspective, if that makes sense.
0: Not mm-hmm. puts
1: it in perspective, but it it gives perspective to like why he's doing some of these things, these behaviors, Mm -hmm. because, you know, a bigger idea that we can talk about later with a lot of these characters is like how hurt people hurt people. Yeah. And, you know, it makes it seem like this isn't necessarily the first time that he's been used because of his status as a superhero or as a member of the seven. Why, you know, certain women have found themselves attracted to him because of not who he is as a person but who he is as a you know as a superhero or like i don't know just an archetype or a, a uh, just a superhero in general i guess mm-hmm. and ugh, just how that's affected him and why he would choose to then assert his authority and hurt other people and it's just i mean yeah it doesn't it's not an excuse but it yeah it puts thing it, it gets to know him a little bit better i feel like we yeah. got to know him and his like what motivates him a lot in this episode even though he's not in it a lot but these little moments it's showing us a lot about who the deep really is for better and for worse it
0: is you know and it it is humanizing him but it's not excusing what he did yeah. you know and yeah, i think yeah. there's a really fine line there and i think it's also interesting like he has just kind of internalized that women are attracted to the suit they are not attracted to him and they won't be attracted to him because we see he has gills and he is extremely self-conscious about this and i i was also like that's probably why he likes blowjobs because you don't have to like but you know he fucks with his shirt on too because he's so self-conscious about this and i say that like joking but not because it is really sad to to hate your body you know I don't wish that on anyone either but it also doesn't give you an excuse to victimize people but it's like Like you said it's like hurt people hurt people you know and I think it's I don't know if it's it's not more important to humanize him than it is to humanize starlight as victims But I do think that it is important to talk about this kind of stuff because we are past the point where it's Harvey Weinstein and Patrick Swayze. You know, there are not two kinds of men. Yeah. There's so much more gray area in between. That's what most sexual assault is. A lot of it is coercive. A lot of it is really hard to define, especially Mm -hmm. legally. And so we have to start talking about this as assault and as what it means to be a victim what it means to be a survivor and what it means to be both a um a predator and a survivor like that there's a lot of overlap there too and I think that is how we move the conversation forward and I don't know if like I have any grand like this is the answer from this episode like I don't think that's the point of the scene but it's just like we are all humans and the way that we move forward is by talking about each other all as human beings, you know? Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's another reason that I love this show because I feel like it's not afraid to go to those places, you know?
1: Oh, totally. Like, this is a tough, like, this character is, this is tough. He's walking a tough, like, a tough line. Like, for the actor and as the character, like, this isn't a really... Just, I mean, similar to A-Train, it's complex in a different way, and I'm extremely curious as to where this character is going to go, because they did not hold back with him. I mean, episode one, they are not making us like, you know, he's extremely unlikable from day one, and mm. so just kind of like where they're going to go with that, because we're never going to forget, you know, right. what he's done in the past. So that's that's an interesting trajectory that. I'm not exactly sure where it's going to go, but um, I'm quite intrigued. And I, I mean, I don't know, maybe he does have something to put in that memoir.
0: <laughs> I mean, well, I, I don't want to say anything, but oh, okay. it's. I'm watching, I keep talking about Gossip Girl, but like, okay, so I watched the first episode where Chuck Bass assaults Jenny. Spoilers for Gossip Girl. And then the rest of the show, it's like after this, they decided Chuck wasn't going to be just the villain and they're mm-hmm. going to try to make him a sympathetic person. And the way they're going about it is a little clunky CW high schooly. And yeah. I mean, I can forgive it because of what it is. But I feel like that's not what they're doing. It's not like they introduced this bad guy in the pilot then decided they didn't want him to be a bad guy. Like I think they're really reckoning with what it means to be a a person who does bad things but in a really but can also be really likable, you know. Yeah. yeah. And how how that affects you walking through life and how that affects the people around you and it's just it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of somebody who doesn't have a whole lot going on yet, but I just wanted to shout him out as Noir because he's the one person that gets a little out of boy from uh Homelander. Um, still continuing to do nothing but just silently threaten everyone. Um not much love- to say about Noir, but I just I No, but he's there. Moment.
1: Like whenever he pops up, I'm
0: like, ooh.
1: I know, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah maybe we'll like,
0: find out. He's very mysterious. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Um, Well, and Madeline, we've already talked a little bit about her, but I think she really sees, now that Homelander knows that she not only lied to him about Becca, but she knows, or he knows that she went to Dr. Vogelbaum and told him, like, and her seduction Mm -hmm. thing is not working anymore. So I think she knows, like, this is, this is, she has been walking on a real high wire, and I think she's starting to fall off of it a little bit, or wobble at least, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, that whole thing is interesting. Like, I'm not sure if she like pushed it too hard. I mean, or if like Homelander, like, what made him, I don't know, realize what she was doing, or if he knew it the whole time, or is just, you know, starting to, I don't know, see obviously what she's doing. Cause like when she decides to pull out the, you know, <laughs> the, the sexy mm-hmm. boss lady, the sexy mommy routine. But, Yeah. It's not it's not working for her right now. So it's like, okay, what is she what is she gonna do now? And like what does that mean? I think Homelander really is starting to realize that he is, you know, the most powerful and maybe he just needs to start acting like it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's starting to realize how much he's been jerked around by them too, or how much he's let them manipulate him, you know. And he's yeah, he's starting to kind of assert himself a little bit, which if he were a good person, I would think that's great for him, you know? (laughs) Because they really are shitty to him, you know. Um well and speaking of Dr. Vogelbaum, who may be the most evil person we've met so far, you know, that's a that's a high bar, but he is essentially the creator or he's running VOT and he this sounds awful, but he essentially bred um John. Yeah. Like he is breeding these German uh dogs, German shepherds, is that what they are? Yeah, yeah that's what he says they are, yeah. Okay. So and we've already talked a little bit about him, but how how are you feeling about Dr. Vogelbaum?
1: I mean, it's interesting because like he did Clearly, he was doing some messed up science experiments, which is Mm -hmm. what Homelander basically was. But at the same time, like, he's having this conversation with him and basically saying, like, like, he's apologizing in some ways. Mm -hmm. Like, I shouldn't have done that. Like, you know, I like he basically says, like, you turned out the way you did because of me. Like, (laughs) sorry. Oh, my God. You're my worst mistake. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, that is that is brutal and mm-hmm. so it's like in some ways he's trying to apologize but also like not like trying to make homelander feel even like worse about himself and it's yeah i don't i don't know i i mean he's clearly not a good guy but like maybe yeah. because he's getting older he's having some like regrets about what he did Mm-hmm. But like what how is that information supposed to make Homelander feel any better about it? Like, Yeah, know.
0: he just has like this like he he sees himself as like a superhero himself. Like he's got a lot of Homelander energy, you know, he does yeah. not see anybody beneath him as like worth his his empathy, you know, and he says When I raise subjects without their mother, they become violent, aggressive, downright hateful, which I think is just a perfect summation of Homelander, you know, Mm -hmm. he just has this veneer of civility and like, likableness, which makes him even more dangerous. But like, just the way he's talking about him as if he's not even a human being is just... You know, well, he calls it, him subject, you know? Yeah,
1: and it feels like he's, like, passing the blame. Like, he's apologizing, saying, like, oh, sorry, I did this to you. That sucks. But also, like, you're a terrible human and you're a terrible mistake. And right. it's kind of like putting it on Homelander. Like, it's, like, his fault he turned out this way. And, mm-hmm. like, like, oh, if you hadn't turned out this way, like, my research would have been a success. But you right. turned out awful, so
0: exactly. that's Back to the drawing board. Yeah, yeah so
1: it kind of, like puts the blame back on Homelander, like it's his fault. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Not, not good. And I don't think, you know, we all, to some extent, seek approval from our parents in some regard. And, you know, it's like hearing from your parents, like, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's basically what he's doing here, which yeah. is like so much worse. And this is like the closest thing that he has to a parent. And so mm-hmm. hearing that, I think, is really just... Messing with his head in not a good way.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and like if, if Dr. Vogelbaum is his dad and Madeline is serving as his mommy, you know, he's, Mm. been betrayed by both of them you know because dr vogelbaum is the one who hid all of this from him too yeah and so he's essential like i think he's he's realizing how powerful he is and he's getting closer to not giving any more fucks about anything yeah like he's not he's not
1: seeking approval he's from anyone anymore right and like Mm -hmm. the the, you know which is the one
0: way they can control him you know
1: yeah the freedom that comes you know Mm -hmm. with that for you know a lot of people like there there is a freedom that comes with that but when you're homelander
0: (laughs) yep it's real scary yeah Yeah. um well good thing we've got some spice girls to protect us from all of these very scary bad boys so let's move into our next section called spice girls which is when we talk about the good guys the good boys, the Spice Girls, and our real heroes. Um, let's talk about Annie, a.k.a. Starlight. And it just, like, I think about how interchangeably I say Annie and Starlight, it, which just puts in such sharp contrast, like John... Slash Homelander, you know, like you never think of him as anything but Homelander, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, she's a human. Like we see her as a human. We see her being Mm. human. We see her acting as a human. We see her out of her costume. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Exactly. And I feel like that is really her biggest strength is her ability to maintain her humanity in all of this, you know. Um, we also see our first soup sex, which I I love that little scene, not because I'm a weirdo, but it's just, it's sweet. And see it how, is. like, happy Huey is when he makes her eyes glow. It's just such a sweet moment with this couple. I just really like them.
1: Yeah. And it's like, finally, like, yes, they're together. They finally oh, hook up. And then, of course, everything gets ruined. <laughs>
0: uh, Yeah, because this is before. Well, and she finds out why he actually hasn't been taking um, her to his apartment which I gotta say like I would feel like heartbroken and like betrayed because she really did I think fall for him and feel like he was the one person she could connect with you know and to hear that he's been lying and she doesn't know like yeah. that his feelings are real you know
1: oh yeah well and even if like he's saying his feelings are real like it's I mean you can't blame her when you find out this information it's like how can you believe him like he's mm-hmm. You know, he's involved with these other people and they have footage of him doing this certain things. And, the you know, the, the story that Homelander is telling her isn't really that far off. I mean, it's not that far off. Like, he right. did, you know, go to that expo. He did go see Ezekiel. Like, Butcher did, you know, kind of get him to go and do these things and was yeah. pushing him to do these things and use Annie in that way. Mm-hmm. It's just... You know, his motivations weren't quite as sinister or self-serving as it appears to be on the surface. But, you Mm -hmm. know, you, you can't blame Annie for instantly feeling betrayed and buying
0: into that narrative because it does look that way. Right. Yeah. Well, and she says when they're sitting on their little park bench, she's like, there's always a choice, which is what we were just talking about with a train too, you know, and I think Huey, I can't remember exactly how he phrases it, but he's like, I didn't have a choice. Like I had to do these things. And she is really one of the only ones in this whole show that's like, no, there's always a choice. And you just have to own it. Like Huey made a choice to kill translucent. Like we saw his face when he pushed the button and I think he's just, he's trying to figure out how to own that choice. And it's, it's hard when she's on the other side and he really cares about her, you know, but I love, um, how she, he's willing to stand up for her and that might be getting a little more into him, but, um, We also see she did not know about Compound V. Like, she thought God gave her these abilities, and that's just a heartbreaking thing to learn that your mom has been lying to you for your entire life, you know?
1: Yeah, that did kind uh, of—I feel like they kind of rushed that just a little bit because, like, Huey just kind of, like, throws it out there as, like— no, but there's this thing and like, you know, superheroes, like they're, yeah, they're not born that way. Like they're made that way. And I'm mm-hmm. not necessarily, I, I'm curious to see what happens with that in the next episode. Because if I were Annie, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, whatever. I don't want to talk right. to you right now. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Like, it seems like she like latches on to it pretty quickly regarding like what he's saying. Like he's basically like telling her everything she's known about herself is false. Right. And I just feel mm-hmm. like that's a lot to digest really quickly. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure I would believe him right off if it's like something that everybody on the entire world thinks is one way. And then mm-hmm. he's telling you, especially when it relates to you, like literally right. like who you are, like telling you like, oh, you think this about yourself? Actually, that's not true. Um, This is a chemical thing. Like, I'm not sure right. I would be so quick <laughs> to yeah. believe that.
0: And his response is just, I'm so sorry. I love that. Because I think he sees that. And he knows, yeah. like, she, she's not going to believe me yet. This is, like, this is a life-changing thing that I just told her. And I think he really kind of understands the weight of it. And it could be, like, his response to that that kind of helps her be like, no, but yeah. he does really care about me. And why would he lie, you know? But I don't, yeah, you're right. I don't think she's had the chance to process. Because she gets shot almost immediately by... Oh yeah, there's that. Yeah, that's yeah. probably
1: why she didn't. <laughs> yeah, that conversation didn't go further because yeah, <laughs>
0: butcher shoots her right with like a big gun twice. Um, right, like right in the chest. Yeah, I love her naivety too when she's just like, "Nope, we're going to the police. Vought's going to take care of it. Everything. You're just going to go to jail. It'll be fine." You know? Yeah. I like no, no, no. They're going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Starlight.
1: Yeah, she finds out a lot. Annie goes through a lot in this episode. So, Yeah, she does. You know, I, I I'll give her a break. She's got a lot going through her head, I'm sure. So, I'll give her a
0: minute. She does. Yeah, although like the first I watched that with Corey um and he's like, "Wait, is she dead?" And I was like, "No, no, no, no." So, she's got regenerative powers as well, too. She's got stronger skin. Um, let's skip to Butcher since we just mentioned him. And we've already kind of talked about him a little bit. He gets everybody burned. Like, they're all, they're all, like, huddled into this safe house. Mm-hmm. And the only way, and the reason they are is because he wants to take down Homelander. And he will not make this deal with Rainer because he doesn't want to give up the chance to go after Homelander. But that is putting everybody's lives in danger.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he but i will say mm calls him out on that yeah and ultimately he realizes that he's right and mm-hmm. you know does decide to go back and realizes that they're in quite the pickle and that he can't necessarily get them all out of it especially because there's families and kids involved like mm-hmm. yeah i'm going to need some help so it was yeah. nice to see him that he did was willing to set aside his very very strong feelings against Homelander because he does care about these people as well. And so Mm -hmm. that was, you know, last episode he was very bitter and very just fueled by anger and hate. And so it was nice to see him kind of like pull that back for a second and actually realize like, okay, I got to help my friends out. Right.
0: Yeah. And we also see him, talking like we first meet grace mallory i can't remember if we've met her before i think this is the only i talking yeah this is Mm -hmm. the
1: first time like we actually see her like in the flashback like it's in the past right like talking Mm -hmm. to butcher and really like revealing like hey your wife becca this is what's going on and kind Mm -hmm. of you know a, a, a lighter side of what butcher is now doing we see her right. being willing to be like yeah maybe the superheroes are not so good and we could exactly
0: use your help. <laughs> well and he says the exact or she says the same thing he said to huey in the first episode yeah. he said you wouldn't believe what they get up to and so it's interesting seeing him having become Mallory and we see where he started in this moment where he was a clean shaven baby faced Huey type person you know and and what has become of him from this what he's gone through you know we still don't know what happened with Susan Rayner but we know he is a much more grizzled (laughs) version of himself than he was in this Christmas flashback
1: yeah but he also might not have the same resources because i think mallory was she actually with the cia or was she just pretending to be with the i CIA? think she
0: was actually with the cia i'm okay. not a 100- hundred
1: i mean yeah, well, I mean, maybe we'll find CIA. out but like in yeah. this like it does look like she's actually in the cia she feels official yeah yeah so like maybe she had some more resources than mm-hmm. butcher does but like he's not gonna let that hold him back
0: <laughs> exactly she also seems like a lot less of a loose cannon than butcher so you know yeah. i wonder if there was ever a time when butcher did have those resources and he just blew through them because he is driven by vengeance you know
1: well, it sounds like um, it, right? Like he just was like burning bridges left and right. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. Well, we'll see more of Mallory, but I, she's an interesting character as well. And she is the one that we've heard about this. She is the person that M.M. and um, Frenchie mm-hmm. are still fighting over what happened yeah. with her grandkids. So, so, yeah, we'll see her a little more. Well, speaking of M.M., You had something in your notes, and I saw it before I watched this episode. So I was kind of keeping that in the front of my mind. But and you said he seems to be the only one of the only people who can really call out Butcher and actually have him listen, which I thought was really interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Butcher doesn't seem to really listen to people like Huey Mm -hmm. and Frenchie have been like, you know, trying to like tell him things and like, hey, you gotta do this, and like, what are you doing? And but he's not listening to them. But Emhem pulls him aside. And, you know basically tells him like that was not smart mm-hmm. and he says it really calmly and he says it really seriously and they have you know kind of like a heart to heart moment and I don't think that MM does that very often with Butcher and so I mm-hmm. really think Butcher you know he respects and he listens to MM because yeah, because I don't know MM's just so sweet he's a family man he's really kind of a voice of reason in that Mm -hmm. group
0: (laughs) yeah yeah he feels like the glue that really holds them together in a lot of ways you know like he's able to keep his head calm when things Mm -hmm. go like because he was the one that was like no 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 it wasn't annie because she's never seen me like he didn't let his fear take over and that was what let them know that that something else is going on you know
1: Yeah, and he's like, we've seen him, you know, MM's, you know, very organized, and he looks at things a certain way, and he likes a plan. And so when he's seeing these situations, he's looking at them very analytically, and he's making very Mm -hmm. conscious choices and conscious decisions, which, you know, unlike Butcher and even Frenchie, who are very emotional in their decisions... You know, for better or worse, like we've seen like with Frenchie, his emotional decisions basically saved Kamiko and like you know, saved mm-hmm. that relationship. So his, you know, emotional decisions work in different ways. And then Butchers obviously we know work in sometimes not so great ways, but MM is looking at like every decision and really analyzing all the possibilities. And so when he comes to Butcher and says, like, dude, that was not smart, you need yeah. to go to Rainer. Like, Butcher is mm-hmm. like he knows MM well enough to know that like he wouldn't be saying this if it wasn't true right and so that i think that it's a a little moment but it really does tell us a lot about their relationship
0: yeah yeah and i think like he might be one of the strongest members of the boys like he feels like their backbone in a lot of ways you know um but man he's been lying to monique and Yeah, I I would be so like, and he's put her life in danger and the life of her child in danger. And so he's not perfect, you know, and he's Mm -hmm. doing it. You know, he is a fallible person. And I understand why. I I just wonder how long he thought he was going to be able to get away with this. If he really thought it was a one time thing, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. but, But like speaking to everything we were just talking about, like. I think he knew no matter what the situation was, if he told Monique, her her response was not going to be positive. Mm -hmm. No matter how he framed it, he could probably be like, there's no situation in which she's going to be like, okay, baby, go do what you need to do.
0: Yeah, but also I think he knows it's the right thing to do, too. And that's why he did it. You know, it's like there are bigger it's like homeless, or it's like butcher giving up his desire to go after homelander it's like sometimes there are bigger things and you have to follow that even if it ruins a lot of things in your own life you know
1: yeah but um, he doesn't he doesn't let that get in the way of his family's safety though like he wastes right. no time like the second he finds out like my accounts are burned i'm burned he calls his wife in like seconds Mm-hmm. Like waste no time isn't like mm-hmm. trying to lie to her. Just lets her know what happened and is willing to accept those consequences. Yeah. So like, ugh, man, I mean, we all know he's very hot, but like some of the <laughs> stuff, it was just like, yo, you're, you're even hotter now because you're just right. like manning up and just being like, all right. Because at the end, Monique like is having none of it.
0: Mm-hmm. and yeah. just
1: like is like, don't talk to me ever again, and he's like. Okay.
0: (laughs) yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, I have a weakness for the bad boys and there are a lot of people on the show that I think are very hot that I would never want to date or probably even meet in real life. But he's not he's one that I could see myself actually having a relationship with, you know, he's just such a good guy, you know, even when he does bad things or bad, bad, quote unquote, even when he lies to Monique. Mm hmm. Um. Well, let's talk about our last boy. Let's talk about Huey. We've already talked a little bit about him, but he is. We find out he was an A Train fan. Like he's got these Comic Con figurines, which I think is just such a nice little touch too to show like how far he's gone down this rabbit hole and uh, uh, compared to who he used to be. You know?
1: Oh yeah, and just like yeah, how. Well and how like crushing that has to be when you mm-hmm. think something about any sort of celebrity of, you know, any kind, and then you meet them and realize like Oh, they're actually a really disgusting asshole. Like it right. Like it shouldn't they're actually gonna kill my dad. Yeah. Yeah. Like it shouldn't necessarily like affect you on a personal level because you don't necessarily have a personal relationship with them. Obviously, Huey and Adrian are (laughs) different because he, you know, ran through his girlfriend. So now they do have a personal relationship.
0: Mm -hmm. But
1: like how that can kind of hurt in a really weird way because you had invested some sort of like feeling and thought about this person and then they end up being something completely different and yeah yeah and then he's in your house you know yeah threatening to kill your dad right and, and he's mocking, very mocking huey's fandom like
0: mm-hmm. yeah, brutal rude like <laughs> you know huey feels bad about that and you know he's like oh shit like how could i have bought that? Or how could I have gone to that Comic-Con, you know, and to have him throw it in his face? And I kind of see him, like Huey, A-Train, and Starlight, I feel like they're all like in transition. They're all kind of trying to figure out, they're all going through very similar emotional journeys, although they're, the ways they're getting there are so different. And it's really interesting to see them all kind of trying to figure out who they are in the midst of this really fucked up situation, you know? Yeah,
1: they're, yeah. He's kind of all over the place but at the same time, like, that's fine. Like he should yeah. be, like he's gone through a lot.
0: Yeah, he <laughs> and, has. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I don't, I I appreciate the fact that this character isn't willing to just like switch, like a flip, you know, like right. a flip of a switch <laughs> and just mm-hmm. be like, okay, now I'm this kind of person because that doesn't feel realistic. Like what Huey's going through does feel very realistic, this kind of back and forth and like conflicting emotions. And because we see him one second not wanting to do, seeing him want to quit at one yeah. second and then realizing like, no, wait, I can still do these things and I can be better and I can help and, you know, butcher's right. Or, and then like, no, I got to leave. And it's, yeah, I, it's, it is very confusing. And so right, I, I appreciate the flailing a little bit.
0: Yeah. Well, and I care enough about Annie that I want to put myself in danger to go explain myself to her, you yeah. know, and to, to really kind of that. I think it'll be good in the long run that she heard about Compound B from him. Yes, know? agreed. And it's also, she has spent the last couple of episodes seeing what Robin's death did to him, mm-hmm. you know? And to find out that A-Train is the one who killed her and that she is part of this, that, yeah. that I feel like that means something to her. And again, it's kind of like the Compound B thing. I don't think she really has time to process that. But it I think it's good that we have she and Huey have built this foundation of like she understands why it's just another like chink in the Vodas evil chain, you know? Yes.
1: She has every right to be mad. He has every right to be mad. It's just kind of how they come back from that. Um yeah. that's really gonna be very
0: telling and kind of define mm-hmm. what happens with their characters, I think. Yeah. In the show in a lot of ways you know um well let's talk about another person who is a little bit flailing although in a, <laughs> in a much more polished way so Maeve and and you wrote still seems to be in transition which I completely agree with I think that is there's that is a spot on with her and she stands up to starlight um and did you hear her accent come out just a little bit? I yeah. believe Dominique Migueli- McGilliette, I think. I think she's Irish. Mm, that and makes, yeah. I've... Yeah, I've seen some outtakes with her where she's tried to, like, repeated words, and it's really funny. But yeah, she just to see her talk to Homelander. The first time we see her in this episode is when she's at this Christmas party and the guys are all like, Oh, look at Maeve. And mm-hmm. then it's when she and Homelander are together yeah. and he refers to her as his as his his other half or his better half. Yeah. Um and it's interesting. And then she pulls that out again to try to save Starlight. She's like, it's you and me, remember? Like trying to pull on his emotions, you know?
1: Yeah, she stands up to Homelander, and but which I think is interesting because a few episodes back she was talking about like when Starlight came out and was talking about her assault. Everybody was asking her like, "How are you supporting Starlight?" And I think she was kind of was like resentful in that moment mm-hmm. a little bit. But since yeah. then, we've kind of seen her you know, kind of slowly in the background percolating and kind of going through her own emotional baggage a little bit and kind of figuring out. I think having Starlight there is kind of mirroring back some of her own behaviors in a way that mm-hmm. maybe she's not really liking. So yeah. I think we see her kind of dealing with that. And this is a way like she doesn't she doesn't do it very nicely. Mm-hmm. She stands up for Starlight, but like not maybe in the nicest way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, But she does it. And she kind of has a nice question mark moment with Starlight, like in her (laughs) room, makes her a drink, just talks about how like, yeah, people suck. There are weakness and Mm -hmm. just you know continues to, to drink
0: yeah yeah i think we see uh, we learn a lot about her and just this these couple little scenes too you know and homelander says it's been a long time since Maeve gave a shit about anyone which mm. we've been we talked about earlier but like she says i had someone once like you can just yeah. hear the the disassociation and the pain yeah there you know and she said like you have to cut them loose and she says that way you're really bulletproof and that you cannot have you can't care about other people and exist in this ecosystem which it's
1: like i think she knows that's true
0: like yes Mm -hmm.
1: if you do not care about other people you're going to make decisions differently however easier said than done and i think Mm -hmm. that's where the conflict is for her is she wants to be cold she wants to be strong she wants to be bulletproof but She's also human. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know, what is that? What is that life really going to be like? I don't think she's really ready to make that commitment to being like Homelander. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because Homelander is bulletproof in that way. He doesn't really care about anybody else. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, well, I don't want to be like that. But I also don't want to, you know, continuously be hurting. Right. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Well, and like, you can't stay in this position and have it both ways. And I think Starlight is coming in and showing, well, maybe you can, or maybe you shouldn't be in this position anymore. You know, I feel like, and it's like, she's a change agent and change is really hard. And I think she has gotten really comfortable with just turning everything off and just drinking, you know, and, and we know that she's had addiction issues as well. And I think, you know, a lot of people use substances to numb pain, emotional pain Mm -hmm. and, and we also know that she wants to be an out either lesbian or bisexual woman and she is not allowed to do that and how much that must hurt also, you know, because it's not just that she cannot be with the person she loves. It's that she can't be who she actually is, yeah. you know, Yeah. and that that's got to hurt. I also think it's interesting. She stands up to Homelander because I think she's maybe one of the only people on earth that could, you know, totally. and so. This is an interesting dynamic, like it's me and you. I feel like there's there's a tiny little undercurrent there of like, you can't, I don't know if you could kill me, you know, like I can protect her and I don't, I don't know how intentional that is, but you know, he's got to know how strong she is too, you know.
1: Yeah. And, but it doesn't feel fully physical. Like it does right. feel like. You know, whether it was just, you know, some sort of staged romance or whatever, they do have something between them. Mm -hmm. They do have some sort of relationship or understanding of some kind where he mm, appreciates, cares for, I don't know if those might be strong words for how Mm. he feels about Maeve, but he does have some sort of different um, view on her and that she, you know, I don't think he does want to hurt her. I think he I Think they share something on some yeah.
0: level. But I think he sees her as, as as his class of person. I feel like that that's the way he would view it, you know, and we talked yeah. earlier about like how could you ever really date somebody if you can't ever trust that they're with you because they actually love you. And I think Maeve is one of the few people that he could tell himself he might be able to she might actually care about him. And yeah. he could have sex with and not hurt you know like Hmm. i don't know there's that yeah (laughs) yeah it's just it's a whole it's just interesting but there's also this kind of barbie feel to it it's like this is what we do because we are the two people and we're hot and i imagine like she was probably young and naive and like very um wanting to save the day and i bet he probably was too like Mm -hmm. i would be interested to see what homelander was like when he joined the seven you know Mm. like did he have stars in his eyes was he like i'm gonna save the world and how like what was his trajectory to who he is now yeah
1: yeah when when did they become officially jaded and cynical like what what was was that moment
0: (laughs) I would love to see them on a happy date and just see what that looked like you know if it has ever happened you know it just just seems
1: yeah can you like imagine
0: them like sitting at home like
1: watching some (laughs) netflix like Uh like like what like what are they doing i know (laughs) are they wearing those
0: costumes (laughs) right (laughs) you know they probably are Um, All right. Well, let's go into good versus evil, which is when we talk about themes, we may have not we may have already talked about. We've already talked about quite a bit of this, but I think we mentioned earlier hurt people hurt people. And we've already talked about the deep Mm -hmm. and we've talked about Homelander being hurt by Dr. Vogelbaum and A-Train is hurt by this Popclaw thing. So is there anything more we want to say about this theme
1: yeah i just i i mean i think you know butcher and his vendetta like clearly we see how some of his actions have maybe not been the best he has not always been i think thinking of huey and Mm -hmm. his position especially especially like in the last episode where we talked about kind of like he was putting his vendetta ahead of a lot of things and here we see him kind of reel that back in And all of these things he's doing is because he's hurt which is understandable Mm -hmm. totally and even huey you know to some extent like yeah he probably wouldn't have killed translucent if he hadn't just gone through this horrific loss with his girlfriend and some of the stuff he's doing to starlight has been motivated by that and he's doing that out of you know a conflict of emotion and hurt and so there's you know there's different levels to that i think and they're really exploring that with a lot of these characters in a lot of different Mm -hmm. ways you know some markedly more serious and disgusting than others but nonetheless that's a, I think a phrase that really resonates with a lot of these characters
0: yeah yeah and i think one of kind of the overarching themes of the show is like should anyone have this much power because when you are hurt and you hurt people, but you have the power to hurt someone 10 times, what a normal human being would do, how dangerous that is. And I think I see a connection between butcher and what we were just talking about with Maeve. Like he has really shut off his, a lot of his empathy. And I think he kind of taps into it sometimes, but a lot of it is manipulative. Like he taps into his pain about Becca so that he can get Huey on his side and I think he also cares about Huey and he doesn't want Huey to get hurt but he also says you know he that's that's how he will allow himself to go there but then when we go to that collateral damage meaning he is not willing to deal with that and his response to having a place to mourn Becca is to smash the the headstone you know which yeah. is just mirrors a lot of Maeve's drinking just turn it off and just keep going and do the next thing. Maeve just happens to already have a position of power, you know. Yeah.
1: Um, oh, I also just you know we've talked a lot about kind of some of the the shifts in power dynamics in mm-hmm. the, in this episode and how we're continuously seeing these sort of relationships um, like teeter totter a little bit, kind of go back yeah. and forth in different levels mm-hmm. into different things. And you know, one of them that I did think was interesting is there was a moment between Huey and Butcher. Where, you know, they're having a little argument and Huey says something that crosses a line, you know, and Mm -hmm. even M.M. and Frenchie are in the back, like, shaking their heads, like, no, don't say that. Like, he brings up Becca, basically. Yeah. And it's like... That's the one thing that you just you don't want to go there, really. Like it's just still so tender and so personal. And uh, you know, and MM and frenchie have probably learned this because they've known mm-hmm. them longer. But we see Huey kind of pushing back against Butcher holding all the cards, right? He's he's mm-hmm. trying to push back a little bit because now, I mean, he's potentially lost Starlight. So mm-hmm. something you know, something that was giving him sort of this hope and this feeling, like because of some of the things butcher has done or honestly some of the things huey has done for butcher <laughs> have kind maybe cost him that relationship and so he yeah he crosses that line and that was just a really kind of funny moment i thought where it was like you know like saying something to your parent that maybe you shouldn't have and you're like oh i just kidding yeah. never mind you're not my real
0: dad yeah, yeah. Like, never mind i didn't mean it <laughs> Right. But then on the other hand like he's not wrong. No, you know he's,
1: he's not wrong. It's just funny. I just loved it yeah.
0: how because yeah,
1: everybody else in the room knows, that like, don't go
0: there. Don't go. It's there. like a record scratch moment, you know. Yeah. But then yeah, and I it, you wonder what if huey's dad hadn't called at just that moment, what would have happened, you know? Cuz I can yeah. see Butcher and like he Butcher's a loose cannon. <laughs> yeah. I've said it before. But I also think, you know, we've talked about how M.M. is able to get through to Butcher. And I wonder, like, is this something Butcher needed to hear, you know, and is this hopefully going to move their relationship forward, you know, Mm -hmm. and if he can get past it like cuz he goes to save Huey at the end he didn't have to do that he could yeah. have just burned Huey but i think he does care about him and i think there's a part of him that does know that Huey's right when he says that and that he's it's like starlight pushing back against mave and it's like your your whole narrative is bullshit and Huey is saying that too he's like you put off this position of strength and that you don't care and you don't give a fuck but you do and that's what is driving all of this and you have to deal with that. And you know, I think it's it's an interesting development in Huey and Butcher's relationship. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on to shock and awe. And we've already talked about a lot of this too, but just just to shout out, there's one thing we have not talked about, but we talked about Becca being pregnant, which again, horrifying. Yeah. Um, the deep skills. Uh, yep well, I was surprised by that. <laughs> I was blown away the first time I saw that. I was like, oh, wow. Um, and then we we see our first soup terrorist. Yes. Which we've had a little hit because that was the purpose of Kamiko. Yeah. So that like- was what.
1: Yeah. We knew that they were working on this, right? Like we, like, well, I don't even know if we knew it, but that they were suspecting, like, oh, maybe this is what they're doing, and this is the first mm-hmm. confirmation that we're like, oh, they're not even just working on it, like yeah. they're, like, they're doing it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and, um, and Madeline knew because at that moment, yep. you know, Rainer is talking with her, basically saying, like, oh, you guys are screwed. VOT's going down. We know about Compound V. We know about this, and then this happens. And Madeline yeah. is just kind of like, huh, well, isn't right? not oh. interesting? You know, so right. we, we find out that she also knew about that, which really kind of he, um, puts things, not puts things in perspective, but it's a little worrisome, obviously, yeah. to know that yeah. there's like, oh, there's superheroes out there using their powers for bad. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting because I kind of have have been looking at Homelander and Madeline kind of operating separately as far as this goes, you know, yeah. and, and they might still be like, we don't know that this is part of the same program because the, the whole operation with Kamiko feels like a real kind of dive bar kind of lower level operation, you know, but I don't know. It could have all have been a part of the VOT thing. We just, we don't know yet. Yeah. Um, but the, the the big thing we have not talked about in this episode yet is Mesmer. And yes. so we see Mesmer, he gave up Homelander. I think he, when he loses his phone and doesn't ever hear back from him, I think he pretty immediately knows this was a mistake. And yeah. I, I feel really bad because he said in the last episode, like, I just wanted to be one of the good guys again. And he. I think he realizes he he really fucked up and he trusted the wrong person. But he was like, it was Homelander. What was I supposed to do? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously,
1: Butcher finds out because they're like, how did we all get burned? How did, and then it's like, oh,
0: Mesmer. Mesmer. <laughs> yeah. Which yep. Butcher
1: obviously was not thrilled about then bringing him in, anyways.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: now, unfortunately, that proved to be, you know, right.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad we got the information about Kamiko, but yeah, it did fuck them all. Yeah. I love the sequence in the train station, though, because it's so Terminator, <laughs> yeah. you know? He's just, like, walking through. He knows exactly where he is. And and then he, like, so Mesmer, it's really cool how this all plays out. Because when every time Butcher punches him, he gets a flash of, yeah. of what Butcher is going through. And he's like, hey, I can help you find Becca. Yeah. Which we already know what happened to Becca. So Butcher is like, no, fuck you. And you think... Well, I don't know how you read this, but I thought he was going to try to get information about Becca when he has Mesmer put his hands on his head. But it's not. He's like making him see his own death before he kills him.
1: Yeah. I think that to some extent he doesn't want, you know, he doesn't want Mesmer's help because I think he ultimately doesn't. I don't think he really believes that she's still alive. Like he's not willing to accept it. But I think he knows that she's not, she doesn't, he mm-hmm. doesn't know how, but he's, you know, he knows that she, that Mesmer won't be able to find her. Right. Yeah. So it's just like, oh God. Yeah. And what a horrific way to like, oh. you know, you're trying to get in, get in his head because you want to like see some way to like help yourself out of this situation and then ultimately mm-hmm. just see like how you're going to die. Oh my um.
0: God. Your head smashed on a urinal. Like, oh, poor Mesmer. Brutal. Man, and it definitely does like reiterate that, like,
1: Butcher is very capable of violence.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know,
1: sometimes he does like to pawn it off on other people, you know, make Huey go do this, or like, I don't know, make Frenchy go blow up this building or whatever. Like, he's not necessarily always the one pulling the metaphorical trigger, but mm-hmm. he is also not scared to do. I mean also then yeah we see him literally pull the trigger on Starlight too. So like we do I think he knows that won't kill her. But yeah. Is he's willing to actually do those kind of things himself. Get his own hands dirty per se.
0: Yeah. Mhm. And against soups too. You know, I think sometimes I forget Mesmer is a soup because totally. he feel yeah. you know? And so I think this is kind of one of his underlying things is like, I hate all superheroes. Like, yeah. I hate them all, that none of them deserve to live. And I wonder how he would treat a human, you know? Like, I wonder if he would be willing to kill a human. And I think he probably would be because I think he gives no fucks, you know? And he's turned off the emotional side of himself that would stop him. But it's just... It's a brutal, brutal death for a character that I yeah. liked, you know. I miss her. <laughs> I know. And it's it's another one, too. I think we, you know, we talked about this with Translucent. It's like we get these great little characters just for a moment, you know. Yeah. And, and then they're, and they're <laughs> <gone>. ripped away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, Choose Your Fighter, which is our MVP of the episode and why we love them. And Rachel, who are you picking this week? So I'm picking Homelander
1: because, like, I don't like him, Mm -hmm. but I do think that we learned so much about him in this episode and, you know, continuing to really see, like, how cruel and manipulative he really is. And Mm -hmm. the performance here, I think, is just amazing. And he is a fantastic villain that I am Mm -hmm. loving to hate.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I think I'm going to pick A-Train for the same reason. You know, I feel like the performance there, like for both of these actors, like they're so angry and they're trying to be so threatening, but you can really feel the pain and the the sadness right underneath the surface. But just for a minute, you know, and I think that, yeah, I'm picking A-Train for mine. Again, he's a bad guy. Yep. But we we love to hate them. And we you know, we choose our fighters. Sometimes when you're playing Mortal Kombat, you pick the bad guys cuz you want to win, you know. Yeah, so. they got the cool moves. <laughs> exactly. I say like I've ever played Mortal Kombat. Oh. I think I've played it like once. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, so let's move into predictions. So we've got one more episode left in the series. I'm sorry, in the season and Rachel, what do you think might happen next, and what are you excited to see?
1: Well, I mean, I already know I'm expecting a cliffhanger, so I just don't, but I don't <laughs> like I don't know what that cliffhanger will be. You know, the boys are in quite the mess, and I'm just wondering mm. like how the hell are they going to get out of this? I don't know, <laughs> but I can't yeah. wait to see it. Um, I th- I know that there is no way this is the last we see. I was giving. I was trying to think of like their like couple name. If it was like Hugh Light or Hanny. <gasps> oh or like starry, I don't know. But I know this isn't <laughs> no. the last we see of them, but I want to see how they kind of come back together and how that happens. Mm-hmm. Um we learned a lot about Becca and Butcher on uh, the last few episodes, but only certain people know certain things and so mm-hmm. just kind of like how that storyline is going to continue to reveal itself. Oof, you know, I feel bad for Butcher already when he learns the truth, but I'm sure it's going to yeah. happen. And then uh, the introduction of Mallory, we've learned little bits of and pieces, but I really want to see, kind of learn more about that, who she was and what happened back in the day.
0: Well, I'm not going to say anything about what does happen, but I okay. want to say it's a good one. Okay. It's a good episode. So, and I cannot wait to talk about it. Let's wrap up with some plugs. So Rachel, where can we find you? And what do you have coming up? Sure, yeah, you can find me on Instagram
1: at the vinyl girl, G-R-R-R-L, and Twitter at the vinyl, or sorry, Twitter at vinyl girl, no the. And Mm -hmm. um, coming up, we will both be on an episode of the Losers Club talking about duma key so that will be fun and we've also um got an official twitter and instagram for this pod girls on the boys so yeah give us a follow on there and keep up with things. And I'm just going to share a lot of other cool boys stuff because there's a lot out of it and all these people are hot and doing cool stuff.
0: So you can keep up with them all by keeping up with us. (laughs) That's true. Yes, they are very hot and they are doing very cool things. And that matrix scene that we were talking about at the top of the episode that uh, can be found on our socials. So check us out there. You can find me at Jim Ferratu on Twitter and Instagram, mostly Instagram. Um, And yes, just doing various things. So that's it for this episode of The Girls on the Boys. We want to give a huge thank you to the Anatomy of a Screen Pod Squad. Uh, Make sure to check out the other fantastic shows in the feed, like um, Such Sites to Show, Bodies of Horror, White Ladies in Crisis, and the Altar Tapes. And we will be back next week to talk about the season one finale, which is called you found me which could have multiple meanings Mm -hmm. it's a great episode i am very excited to talk about it i cannot wait to like i i love living vicariously (laughs) as you like find out more of the story because it's just it's so good and until then remember you guys you're the real heroes me of a scream pod squad